para ser publicada en decreto presidencial en la Gaceta Oficial el día de mañana, se crea la Zona de Defensa Integral Guayana Esequiba, con tres áreas de desarrollo integral, ADI, y 28 sectores de desarrollo integral de la Guayana Esequiba. The most recent armed conflict between nations and the Americas was the Senepa War in 1995. This was a short and contained military conflict between Ecuador and Peru, fought over the control of an area inside Peruvian territory near the border between the two countries. But the Brazilian government now fears that we may be in for another conflict, this time between Venezuela and Guyana, and it has mobilised troops to the country's northern border. My name's Ewan Marshall, Deputy Editor of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. On Sunday, Venezuela held a non-binding referendum for citizens to decide whether the country should claim sovereignty over Essequibo, a vast mineral-filled area that makes up roughly two-thirds of the territory of Guyana. All Venezuelans aged above 18 were eligible to vote. While turnout was underwhelming and electoral results in Venezuela must be taken with a grain of salt, 95% of respondents voted in favour of the government claiming sovereignty over the neighbouring country's territory. And to discuss the issue, we welcome our Latin America reporter, Lucas Berchi. Hi, Lucas. Hello, Ewan. Thanks for having me. Lucas, before we get into the referendum and, you know, what could happen next, could you just kind of explain to us the beef between Venezuela and Guyana? Sure. So you mentioned the Senipa War at the opening of this episode. And this possible conflict between Venezuela and Guyana bears some similarities to that, because it also revolves around old territory disputes. Let me briefly explain the Senipa War. Back in the 1995, there was this conflict between Ecuador and Peru over a disputed area called the Senipa River region. The two nations had signed a border treaty following the Ecuadorian-Peruvian War of 1941, but Ecuador later disagreed with giving up the areas of Senipa and Paquisha, and in 1960, it declared the treaty new and void. Most of the fighting took place around the headwaters of the Senipa River. The actual fighting only began in January 1995, with both sides engaging in intense ground and air battles. It was a brief but intense conflict, and the fighting lasted for about a month. And so how does that conflict resemble the tensions between Venezuela and Guyana? Well, like Senipa, this is a territorial dispute that goes way back. Since the 19th century, Venezuela has wanted to annex the area between its current border and the Esequibo River. In other words, almost two-thirds of Guyana. The border dispute began in the 1841, when Guyana was still a British colony and Venezuela accused Britain of encroaching on its territory. Three decades prior, British Guyana had been acquired from the Netherlands through a treaty that did not define the area's western limits. The British commissioned Robert Schomburg, a surveyor and naturalist, to draw the border. But Venezuela was unhappy with his final decision, 
claiming that its territory should stretch until the Essequibo River, as was established at Venezuela's independence. In the 1890s, the U.S. stepped in to mediate the matter, and a commission sided with Britain. Fast forward to 1966, when Guyana became independent itself, Britain and Venezuela signed an agreement to set up a commission to solve the dispute. If Guyana and Venezuela couldn't agree to a peaceful settlement, the decision would be made by international-level organizations. And did they find a solution? Well, not quite. In December 2020, the International Court of Justice ruled that the 1899 awarding of the Esequibo region to Britain was still valid and binding, much to Venezuela's frustration. This month, Guyana asked the court to issue protective measures aimed at preventing Venezuela from claiming the territory. And again, the court ruled in its favor. But Venezuela still went ahead and carried out the referendum. Lucas, you've explained that this is a dispute that has been dragging on for more than a century, so why is it escalating now? In simple terms, it's because of oil. The border disputes only really heated up again after 2015, when ExxonMobil discovered massive oil reserves off the coast of Guyana, largely extending across the Sequibo. The company says wells in the region have an estimated capacity of 11 billion oil barrels, saying they could have a production capacity of over 1.2 million barrels per day by 2027. And according to the World Bank, these reserves help the Guyanese GDP grow 63% in 2022. But President Nicolás Maduro of Venezuela has accused Guyana of becoming an ExxonMobil subsidiary. And Venezuela is a massive oil country itself, right? Yes, but although it owns the world's largest oil reserves, Venezuela's oil production has taken a nosedive in the last 10 years due to flawed infrastructure, corruption, US-imposed sanctions, and international market changes. Meanwhile, Guyana is on the opposite trend, and production there is expected to reach 1.2 million barrels a day by 2027. After the break, we discuss what happens now that Maduro has held his referendum. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We're an independent organization funded by our subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. And if you're already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. And in return, you'll get exclusive perks like special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here in our podcast. And today, I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members. Andre Novoseltsev, Tom Nolan, Marta Marchins, Pan Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Caroline Hubert, Mark Hillary, John Thomas III, Louise Renz, Erwan Menais, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Kars Vriesvik, Alistair Townsend, Peter Abramson, Gemma Wolfadeju, Michael Fryer, Mila Renacido, David Dixon, Jose Ozzy Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Jarden Eftach, Tonika Thompson, Anderson Da Silva, Kat Kramer, Peter Suffren, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me A Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we're butchering the pronunciation of your name, do send us an email. 
And if you too believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian report and subscribe to one of the membership levels. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian report to learn more. Welcome back. So, Lucas, according to the referendum on Sunday, Venezuelans approve of the takeover of this oil-rich region of Guyana. What happens next? It's unclear what the Venezuelan government will do to follow through on the result, but any attempt to assert a territorial claim would definitely be met with international resistance. Even so, the escalating situation has led to troop movements in the region and saber-rattling in both countries with Guyanese leaders comparing the situation to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Many residents in the predominantly indigenous region are reportedly on edge. Yeah, the comparison with Ukraine and Russia is interesting because there are some similarities. Uh, I remember Putin's infamous 2014 referendum on the annexation of Crimea, where about 95% of Crimean voters reportedly backed joining Russia, but you know the legitimacy of that vote is also quite disputed. And it's maybe worth remembering that Venezuela and Russia have been allies. And others compared it to the Falklands War, or should I say the Malvinas War, so as not to incur the wrath of our Latin America editor Ignacio Portes, who is Argentinian. Yeah, authoritarian governments in difficult political situations are always tempted to look for a patriotic house to rally support. That's what many think Argentina and the UK did in the 1980s, and what Maduro is doing now. And what has the international community done in response? Well, Brazil has sent President Lula's top foreign policy advisor, Celso Amorim, to speak with Maduro and try to defuse tensions. Celso Amorim has been very friendly with Caracas, as has Lula. Let's remember that the Brazilian government showered the Venezuelan authoritarian leader with praise when he visited Brasilia earlier this year. But as things have progressed... Brazil has also mobilized dozens of armored vehicles to patrol the border with Venezuela. The government says that the deployment was already planned and is intended to tackle illegal mining, but that the vehicles can help ensure safety on the Brazilian side. Brazil, after all, shares borders with both Venezuela and Guyana. And for Venezuela to carry out a potential land invasion that would have to cut through Brazil because Essequibo is mainly just jungle, right? Meanwhile, the US and Guyana Defense Forces discussed what they called upcoming engagements to include strategic planning sessions and processes to enhance both countries' military readiness and capabilities to respond to security threats. The two countries enjoy a long-standing security partnership. Some analysts believe that if US President Joe Biden wants to stave off war, now is the time to send American troops to Guyana. And what is interesting is that the US and Venezuela had improved their terrible relations as of late, right? Yes, in October the US announced a temporary lift on the Donald Trump-era economic sanctions imposed on Venezuela's oil, gas and gold sectors. The decision came after an electoral agreement between the government of Nicolás Maduro and representatives of the opposition. Sanctions would certainly resume if Venezuela invades Guyana, 
so it remains unclear whether Maduro is just using this Ekibu issue as a ruse to win another term. Well, Lucas, thanks for explaining that to us. And I'm sure that our Latin America weekly newsletter will be keeping an eye out for any developments from Venezuela and Guyana. Thank you for having me, Ewan. Lucas Berchi covers Latin America for the Brazilian Report. Our Latin America weekly newsletter was awarded as part of our portfolio as the best newsletter in the Americas from a small or local newsroom by the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers. And it comes out every Wednesday and you can get it by subscribing to The Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. So please go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. And I'm Ewan Marshall. Thanks for listening. Explaining Brazil will be back next week. Thank you.